When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 99 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Scratch, Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. They were in Cleveland for a preseason version of Monday Night Football, which became uh, pretty headline-worthy. We'll get into all of what happened, including the injury to Odell Beckham, the struggles of the offense, and where the Giants are as they move forward into their third preseason game against the Jets, the Snoopy Bowl, coming up at MetLife Stadium. And I want to remind all you guys, and we'll talk about this throughout the show, and we'll remind you again at the end, Monday, August 28th, it's coming up. It is next week. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, it might be a couple days from now. We're going to be at Red's Restaurant in Karlstadt, 7 p.m. We're going to be doing live episode number 100 of this show. Uh, Jonathan Casillas, New York Giants linebacker, will be there with us on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have tickets to give away to games this year, a couple pairs. So come out and join us, and we'll see. We'll see what the conversation, James, is on Monday. Uh, it's probably a good thing that this is in episode 100 because it'd be a lot of doom and gloom and uh-ohs and oohs and ahs about Odell Beckham. Uh, maybe on Monday everything feels a little better for Giants fans. But, man, you were in Cleveland on Monday. You both were. And the Giants and the Browns kind of, you know, you would think a ho-hum second preseason game. It was anything but that, James. Yeah, I think time kind of froze for for Giants fans and the Giants for a second there. Obviously, look, I, I think – you know, the ESPN report today, Ben McAdoo said Odell Beckham Jr. has an ankle sprain, really wouldn't go into specifics about how serious it is, what type of sprain it is, only just saying he's day to day. I think Giants fans have to be happy that it seems like the season wrecking injury is off the table. Uh, maybe Odell ends up missing a regular season game or two. Obviously, the ESPN report, uh, I guess, late Tuesday night, that's a possibility. But at the same time, I, I mean, I think that Giants fans would probably would take that over the alternative, which is what it looked like it could have been right when the hit first happened on Monday night. So 18 days that we're taping this on a Wednesday until the Giants open up in Dallas against the Cowboys. And I have a feeling it's going to be kind of 18 days of up and down or will he, won't he play. Uh, but for now, it looks like the Giants have avoided a true disaster. And now they just have to see how much damage there actually will be. Yeah, it did. And when the first, it first happened, Dan, when I first saw the replay and I saw Twitter start going crazy, I, I saw it at first and I said, oh, that looks really bad. And then I looked at it again and it feels like Odell's really lucky that he didn't plant his foot, that he really wasn't solidly on the ground. He just was coming down as the hit got there because that's the kind of hit we've seen it before that that could really do a lot of damage. It seems like he lucked out here. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Because, yeah, you watch some of those slow motion replays. And if you just watch the, the helmet shoulder hit Odell, you know, you know, right around the knee, that's torn MCL, maybe ACL. You see that a million times. But then as you looked a little closer, you, like you said, the foot didn't catch in the turf. If that foot had planted 
we're having a totally different discussion today. Uh, he, you know, he definitely got a little fortunate that it, you know, maybe grabbed a little bit, and that's why he's dealing with a, you know, probably a high ankle sprain or at least some sort of ankle sprain. Uh, you know, McAdoo didn't even say he has an ankle sprain. He said he has an ankle. So that was uh, some great clarification there. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely dodged a bullet. And I think, you know, you know Landon Collins kind of said this, and, and Untel sort of does have this sort of, uh, you know, mythic reputation with the, his athleticism. Maybe another guy's a little stiffer, his leg does get caught. Maybe it is something about him being a freak athlete. That, I mean, because other than that hamstring injury he had, uh, you know, coming into the rookie season, the guy has been remarkably healthy. So I think there's probably something to the fact that he's just uh, – one of these guys whose body uh, is able to, to withstand a blow that most people couldn't. Um, but, yeah, definitely a big-time uh, bullet dodge. Yes, now there is a report he could miss the opener. Well, I mean, I think any injured player could miss the opener. Uh, let's see when we get a little closer. Like James said, it might be 18 days of kind of will he or won't he. They, they're they not going to come out and say today that he will or won't. It's going to be a process. You know, McAdoo said they'll see how he responds to treatment. I think you can sign off on these last two preseason games. There'd be absolutely no reason uh, to rush Odell back out there for Saturday's game against the Jets. And, and there's really no way he'd play the fourth preseason game anyways. Uh, so I think, you know, we'll find out a lot more, a lot closer to the opener. The fact that he hasn't already been ruled out with some catastrophic injury, as James said, uh, that, you know, that's a big takeaway. And that's the good news for the Giants today. It is the good news. Yeah. And you're right about him. And maybe just the kind of athlete he is that maybe that's part of the reason why he's able to escape this. Uh, James, the big story was Odell. It will remain Odell as we try to figure out if he's going to play or not in week one. I'm, I'm sure you know, next week when we're at Reds and, and as the next couple of weeks go on, more information will come out. Do you expect to see him again this preseason or you think this is we're done now? We, we won't see him again uh, do much of anything until whatever game he plays in. Oh, yeah, I think we're definitely done now. I mean, I know McAdoo didn't want to come out and say it on Monday night. He did the whole, like, well, if he can play, he'll play thing. But, I mean, it's such a short week between now and the Jet, the Snoopy Bowl 7, uh, MetLife on Saturday. And then he wasn't going to play in the fourth preseason game anyway. I think it's been, like, determined since last year that he wasn't going to play in that game. So I don't see how he's going to get on the field at all Uh the remainder of the preseason. The next game he's going to play is going to be when, you know, regular season, whether it's week one, week two, whenever. I think the big thing with Beckham now is just going to be a lot of analyzing of what does he do at practice? Where is he? You know, is he, do you see him at practice? Is he on the side? Does he go through warmups? That's going to be all the, the stuff that we kind of read into. And I will say this. I don't think Ben McAdoo, the way he's talked about this Beckham injury, is really all that much different than the way he talked about the Sterling Shepard injury. I just think that Shepard, it, it was a kind of a fast track. He was back from his injury scare pretty quickly. So no one really like kind of, it wasn't any of this, you know, is he or won't he play thing. But I don't think we're going to see Odell again in the preseason. I think it'll be regular season and just to be determined when that is. Before we get into the, the rest of the game and, and how the offense looked, and I know there's a lot of still a lot of concern about the Giants offense and what they're going to be. Dan, are you at the point where you think the NFL just has to make a change? I mean, I, I every year... This happens. And Odell Beckham is just the latest example. But every year there's a player, a star player, someone everyone wants to watch during the regular season and he gets hurt or there's an injury scare. And I, I just I can't believe we're still doing four preseason games for 16 regular season games. You guys, you cover it and you're at these games. I'm watching most of these things on TV and there's just there's no feel to them. There's no reason for four. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's a sticky thing. I mean, I think, 
uh, you know, Goodell has been saying lately he'd like to go to three preseason games, but of course the trade-off is then 17 regular season games, and then even I think a few years ago there was talk about just two preseason games and 18 regular season games. It, it's a tough call because I think you know they do need some sort of live action. Maybe all these joint practices teams have, have been doing more and more recently uh, can replace some of the actual preseason games. That might be uh, you know a solution. I mean, college football. Uh, they don't do exhibition games. I mean, granted, maybe the first week for a lot of the the, the power conference teams, those are basically exhibition games. Uh, but yeah, four definitely seems too many. Um, but then also you need to give these young guys who are going to you know shape out the end of your roster who are undrafted or free agents or guys you haven't seen in game action. There's value to seeing them play. So it's just this this constant uh, kind of push pull where you, you, it has some value, but you obviously don't want to see a major injury to a star player in a game that you know means nothing. And that's why coaches always have to juggle how much you're going to play guys. Uh, I don't know. I'm glad I guess I don't have to make that decision because I do think that you couldn't just do away with the preseason. Could they cut it back? Sure. But at the same time, you're still going to play Odell, you know, a little bit. And you just, you know, basically cross your fingers if you're the Giants and hope something like uh, Monday night doesn't happen. And again, uh, you know, it seems they avoided something serious. But, um, you know, there, there was definitely some panic, um, you know, when he went down. And I think that's just kind of unavoidable. It's kind of a part of football. One thing I would say about the preseason, I've always kind of advocated this, is why don't you make, you know, obviously the third preseason game is the dress rehearsal. You know, I don't understand why the, the teams don't maybe give the, uh, excuse me, the leagues don't give the teams some flexibility to determine, you know, how they're going to go in the preseason game. What I mean by that is the, you look at like high school football, you have like 10 and 10 scrimmages, quad scrimmages, you know, controlled game scrimmages. And we're seeing these joint practices. And I think those are going to become pretty popular just because you can kind of have a little bit more control on the contact and how things go. Allow teams to experiment with those first two preseason games. I mean, you're still going to have a preseason game. You're still going to charge admission. But if, you know, the Giants and the Browns and, and maybe, you know, obviously TV would probably be a concern with that. But Look back to Friday night when the Giants played the Steelers. If Mike Tomlin and Ben Matthews decide, okay, we're basically going to have a controlled scrimmage with a with some sort of game portion, and we're going to charge admission, and it's going to be like a game. It's just going to be different. Like maybe kickoffs won't be live, or maybe we won't tackle quarterbacks to the ground or something. I think that's the same thing. They're still going to get the work in, and the fans are still going to be entertained. I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why this isn't possible, but I think it would just be worth something to let teams experiment with those first two preseason games. Then you've got your dress rehearsal, which is a real game, and then you've got your fourth game, which is already basically just used for the reserves anyway. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, you mentioned television, and I think they would probably have the biggest issue because they try to broadcast these things as games and sell them as games. But from the fan perspective in the building – Guys, I was down in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. They had one of their open practices at the Lincoln Financial Field. They had 36,000 people, and it was just it was just practice, and they didn't even hit that day. I think NFL fans will go out and watch. Like what you described, James, I think if you have it in a stadium, people will go and watch that, uh, even if it is in a game. I think the TV would probably be the biggest issue. Dan, you think they could do something like that with, with changing up the first couple weeks? I, I don't think it's crazy to think about just to – Maybe change the status quo because it's a it's a weird dynamic every summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's just you know, obviously, money is gonna kind of drive the bus as it always does in, in pro sports in the NFL. So yeah, with the same amount of, you, can you charge season ticket holders? I mean, that's obviously where they make their money. It's not as if the these stadiums are 
full for the preseason games, but people still have to pay for the tickets if you have season tickets. So uh, it's tougher to sell, I think, for the practices. So like I said, I just think it's a, it's a tough thing. And, you know, I don't know if the three of us can figure it out because, I mean, obviously a lot of people um, have been trying to come up with something here. And like I said, it's just Goodell wants to maybe cut back, but then you're going to add a regular season game. So then, the you know, the Players Association is going to ask for something in exchange for that. And, you know, as we all know, a big labor battle is coming down the pike again. I'm sure this will be part of it. You know, part of the negotiation will be, you know, maybe changing out preseason for regular season. Um, yeah, I mean, this this idea of the kind of more of a joint practice situation might be a solution. But again, it's just it's a physical sport. And I mean, you know, the safety, I can't even you know, remember his name, Body Calhoun or whatever it is. He's trying to make the team so he can't really, you know, lay up there in that situation. He can't just play two hand tag with Odell because, I mean, he has to show the coaches that he can make a play like that in the game. So it's just such it's a it's a dangerous sport. And like I say, you just hope that um, your star player doesn't get injured. Yeah, you do. And obviously for the Giants, they're lucky that Odell Beckham is seemingly past the worst of this. And we'll see when we get him on the field again to watch him. James, the rest of the Giants offense with Odell, without Odell, again, is the story. You know, they go through the second preseason game, looking forward to the third one. And the offense and it's just inability to click, I think, is, is a story again for the Giants. And they have a lot of talent out there. The offensive line we know is an issue. What did you take away from the game against the Browns? And do you feel better about that unit or worse now? I don't know how you can feel better about the offensive line. I, I just think that, you know, you look at the game, they had struggles, you know, that that stunt where they, they blow up Eli, that that can't happen, you know, where the guy basically just waltz over the right guard. Uh, Eric Flowers, uh, he didn't have any, you know, game-wrecking snaps that really stood out, but I watched him closely, and I think a lot of people did, obviously. He keeps on, I don't know, three, four times he locks Miles Garrett into that chokehold. And for whatever reason, the flag wasn't thrown. I don't know what the referee was looking at, excuse me, the official was looking at because he was literally standing right behind left tackle. But eventually those are going to be holds. I mean, there was even one snap where Flowers had solid pass protection, it looked like, and the, re- and the official walked up to him. And I, I don't know what he said, obviously. I'm up in the press box. But for all we knew, he was telling him, you know, that was a hold. That's your warning. Uh, there were some good snaps with Flowers, but I just keep on coming back to their run game. You know, Ben McAdoo has stressed over and over he wants to be a heavy-handed football team. Uh, I don't really know what the definition of heavy-handed is, but running the ball effectively has to be in there somewhere. And this team continually cannot do it, and they'll have a 16-yard run, and they'll have a four-yard loss. And it's just at some point, they're going to have to step up and run the ball. Because if they can't run the ball, then it's going to be so reliant on the pass. And we've already seen with Marshall and Beckham two bad hits, and you're in a lot of trouble. A ton of trouble. And and the offensive line, Dan, which we spent the basically the entire episode on last week, uh, they make a move. They add some depth. You wrote about it on NJ.com. It just feels like every week they're trying to figure out something different here. But I, I don't know if there's a solution. Yeah, and I mean, these are, these are a lot of basically camp bodies or end of the roster guys. I think fans would like to see them. Uh, you know, gets some of these veterans off the scrap people you at least have heard of. I mean, would Nick Mangold come in at this point, make a difference? Probably not. But I think at least that would maybe appease the fan base that, hey, you're, you're getting a guy I've heard of who was, you know, just played well in the NFL instead of some, you know, former undrafted free agent that's bounced around practice squads. Um, but, it, you know, I think it's kind of too late for that. I mean, at this point in the game, you're not going to get a game-changing offensive lineman. Uh, they had all offseason, can't keep beating that dead horse. I mean, although we probably will, because if, if the offense struggles, you're going to be able to look back to the same stuff we were talking about in February and March and April uh, when they just didn't address the position. And they were convinced somehow that getting a fullback, getting a tight end was going to overcome the fact 
that they don't have five good players that are their primary job is to block. I mean, it, it's they're kind of addressing all the peripheral issues, but ignored the main glaring one in the middle. Uh, and then other McAdoo said uh, yesterday, and he, he will never criticize the offensive line. He goes, you know, he bends over backwards not to do so. Uh, but I think there's some validity to his comments that it isn't just the offensive line. I mean, there was a play that was blocked perfectly. Orleans Darkwood has a huge run ahead of him, but Evan Ingram gets tripped up, falls in the hole, and then Darkwood falls over him, and it's like a one-yard gain. Uh, you can't blame the offensive line for that. That's on Ingram. I know Red Ellison missed a block. Uh, the wide receivers didn't block on the, the first play, McAdoo was saying. Uh, the running backs aren't always finding the holes, although... I'm still willing to give the running backs a bit of a pass because if you're just running into traffic every play, the one time you have a little room, it probably catches you off guard. You're probably, whoa, wait, I didn't expect that hole. And by the time you realize it's there, it's closed up. But uh, it's definitely, it's a, it's kind of an offense-wide issue, uh, but it starts up front. It's been a problem since last year. And uh, the fact that they did nothing to address it, it's kind of crazy to expect it was somehow going to magically change overnight. Yeah, it hasn't, and it probably won't overnight. But but can they get by? That's what I keep coming back to, James. Can this offense get by? And we'll get to the defense in a second, considering how good the defense continues to look. Can they get by? Or is there a feeling now? I'm starting to have the feeling that they're going to just struggle again, and it's going to you know it's going to take a team that has so much talent, and it's going to say it's going to make it into a very difficult year for them to achieve their goals. Do you think this offense get by based on what you've seen? I mean, yes, in theory, they could get by, but I feel like you're asking for a lot of kind of dominoes to fall into place. You're you're basically saying, you know, this offensive line has to not completely implode. You know, it has to play at some level of competency. You have this, you know, quick strike offense, which is all predicated on Eli getting the ball out of his hand quickly to his playmakers. I mean, you have to be able to do that. Uh, You have to have those playmakers be on the field, which the three, the big three wide receivers have all had injury scares uh, this preseason. You know, so obviously that's something. It's football. It's a contact game. You have to have some semblance of a running game to to keep you know defenses honest and, and some ability. And I guess they, you guess you can argue they have that if they can break off the you know 10, 15 yard run here and there. But you also keep going backwards and you get that run. I just feel like you're asking for a lot of best case scenarios to kind of all come together for them to, to survive, to, you know, weather this storm. And it just feels like if one piece goes awry, you've really got an issue on your hand and they did it last year, but I think doing it again, oh, and, and ball security. I mean, they keep on turning the ball over that, that kills them too. So yeah, I just, I don't know. Could they do it? Sure. Will they do it? Maybe, but I think it's a hard bet to say they're definitely going to do it again. Dan, you mentioned Evan Engram, and I saw you guys had a piece on NJ.com all about where he was lined up and what he was doing. What are you thinking about him now after a couple games, seeing him against other teams, the Giants' first-round pick? I mean, I think the blocking is the still the concern that it was. And again, I don't think anyone ever should have expected him to come in uh, and be a you know a Pro Bowl blocking tight end. That's not what they signed him for. No, they drafted him for. Um, but I will say I'm a, I'm pleasantly surprised. He's been more of a weapon uh, as a receiver than I expected out of the gates. I mean, it's pretty well documented that rookie tight ends tend to struggle. Um, you can't overreact to three catches in a preseason game. But it's just more the way that they're using him. He's out there a ton. He's lining up all over the place. Like you mentioned, he had you know a couple snaps. He basically lined up as a fullback. That's where he had his 21-yard gain, which is a play. Uh, they certainly didn't have anyone capable of this last year where he went through the hole on a play action fake and then got up the seam, you know, in a hurry and Eli got on the ball for a 21 yard gain. 
Um, that's that's an element that was definitely lacking. You know, Will Ty or Larry Donnell was not making that same type of play last season. So uh, I think that's definitely a cause for excitement that he is showing signs of being this you know matchup problem um, that you know everyone kind of expected he could become. Uh, but I think it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, he played a lot on a Monday night and Red Ellison didn't. And I, it's hard to tell basically uh, based on playing time in the preseason. They're going to give different guys different opportunities just to give them a look. I still think when the season comes, I think Red Ellison will be the main tight end. I think Ingram will play a ton. But I think, you know, you come out on first and 10 a lot of times. I think if they're in a three wide receiver set, I think Ellison will be the guy at tight end. Uh, of course, if Ingram keeps he's producing, that might change. I think that they'll they'll use him in a lot of different ways, which they've already shown. Uh, but I think the early signs there are pretty promising that he definitely could add an element, uh, you know, to this passing game. He could, and that would if they can block, you would think the passing game is going to have a lot there. Uh, James, before we get to the defense and maybe some of the good things from this game. What's your feeling right now? I want to get both of you guys on this. You're feeling halfway through this preseason. I know the third game is probably going to impact a lot of the way we think about the NFL heading into the season, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the competition, the NFC East. We'll probably, I'm sure in our show next week at, uh, at Reds, we'll probably look at this division and look at the season because we'll have a good picture of, of what the Giants are through three games. But right now, heading into the Snoopy Bowl, what's your feeling on this Giants team? You've been around them the entire, basically for a month now, since training camp started to where we are heading into this week. Good feeling, bad feeling about where you were three weeks ago. How are you feeling about this Giants team? For me, I don't think the the outlook has changed much just because I I think coming into this year, I was a little bit skeptical that this team was going to take off like a rocket ship, like some people seem to think, just based on the the schedule being much more difficult and the fact that I never really felt they addressed the offensive line uh, needs sufficiently. I, I think we've been pretty consistent that a lot of this has just been faith and hoping that, you know, Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers are going to play better than they have their first two years in the league. And that's just about it. You know, this faith that they've been going on. I, the defense has looked really good to me. And I think that this defense could be even better than it was last year. I think BJ Goodson is clearly a superior player to whatever Kelvin Shepard gave them last year. I think Darian Thompson, he was around the ball twice on Monday night, didn't get a pick, but if he starts to cash some of those into interceptions like he was known for in college. That kind of gives an element to the, to the defense. Landon Collins, I think, you know, is the sky's the limit with him. So I think this is a defense that would be really good. But I keep on coming back to the idea that they gave up 20 points against the Steelers and they gave up 10 points against the Browns. I know it's just the preseason. The Giants should win those games if their defense is going to give up between 10 and 20 points every week. And they're 0-2 because the offense hasn't found the end zone and they turn the ball over all the time. That's my big thing with them. I think the defense could be really good. But if you're putting yourselves in a position where you basically have to ask that defense every week, you got to hold these guys under 20 points or else we have no we – don't, because I think going back to last year, off the top of my head, they didn't score – 20 points as an offense in the final six games, I think, last year. So, that's right, yeah. You know, it's just like, it, that's my thing. I think this defense could be really good, like top three good. And if the offense is good, then they could really do some damage. But this offense, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I think the, the way the offense looks now is more concerning than a year ago. I mean, they got shut out in Buffalo a year ago, but you've got all these weapons. You you know, you've added Red Ellis and Evan Ingram, Brandon Marshall. So, 
I, I'm not writing the Giants off yet this year, but I, I think there definitely needs to be some concern uh, from the outside and some soul searching from the inside. Yeah, and you mentioned we'll get to the defense and we'll get Dan's take on how he feels right now. But I'm looking at the numbers on last year in terms of which teams gave up the least points per game. Giants were second, 17.8, but only eight teams gave up less than 20 points a game. It's hard. It is hard in the NFL today, even if you're a good defense, to give up less than 20 points a game every week. It's just it's so easy to score now and every rule is, is dictated towards offense. Dan, how are you feeling about this team compared to where you were maybe a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I don't think it's really changed because, uh, you know, I think maybe I expected the offense to look a little better. But you also have to keep in mind now that Eli and, and Brandon Marshall and Odell and all those guys have only played a quarter, a quarter and a half. Uh, so it's it's a little too hard to totally jump ship because, I mean, I do think the offense should be better. But again, the obviously, as we addressed uh, in depth, the concerns in offensive line are very real. Um, but, you know, they won 11 games last year uh, with a great defense. And that defense, as James said, should be better, which is sort of a scary thought by for the rest of the league because you know, they had a, a outstanding defense last year with a non-factor at middle linebacker and BJ Goodson, it's two preseason games, but he looks like he's going to be a factor. I mean, I uh, just go back. I posted a clip of the, the sack he had on Monday night where he just blew up the running back, sent them back about five yards and then sacked the quarterback. Uh, that's a play the Giants haven't seen from a middle linebacker in, in quite some time. So uh, a ton of a reason for excitement there. So, um, yes, I think the offense is probably going to scuffle uh, most of the season, maybe, and maybe won't be as good as we expected when everyone got excited about the new weapons they added. Because, again, at the end of the day, if you can't run the ball and, and you can't uh, you know, protect the passer, it's it's going to be tough to score in this league. Um, but I, I don't think there's any real reason to, to start jumping ship because the defense is going to keep you in, in pretty much every game. They did it last year, and obviously uh, they, they were able to squeeze out a bunch of those wins. Uh, now, maybe they don't. Uh, be as good, good down the stretch and they lose a couple of those games, we'll see. Uh, but I, I don't think it's, it's any reason to, to, like I said, jump ship because I think this is still a very good defense and, and that's going to give them a chance you know, week in and week out. James, uh, Dan just mentioned Goodson there. And I, I actually had the game on a little bit the other night late um, during the broadcast, uh, the radio broadcast of the game. And I think it was uh, I think it was Lance Meadow and Jeff Fiegels were talking about B.J. Goodson and, what, and how impressive he's been when they put him on the field in these preseason games. I mean, it just seems like they have a playmaker now, middle linebacker, not just a guy. They, they've had plenty of guys over the years um, that have played middle linebacker, and we know the Giants don't you know, they don't overly value linebackers. They don't take them in the first round, but this kid, and I know it's only the preseason. You guys see him more. You see him in practice. He just seems like he's going to also make plays outside of just making the play that comes to him. That that's something they haven't had in a while. No, I think, you know, since I've been on the beat, you know, in 2015, there's kind of been this, like this yearning from giants fans to have that kind of three down, you know, steady, you know, leading middle linebacker. And I think the Giants may have, you know, it's early, knock on wood and everything, just the preseason. But I think they may have found that guy in Goodson. I, you know, he, he's been out in the nickel packages. And some of that's been due to the fact that, you know, Keenan Robinson's been out with a concussion. But he's he's looked fine in the nickel packages. So I think that if the Giants can have a guy who stays on the field all three downs, wears the headset, is the quarterback of the defense, uh, they're going to be in great shape. And, you know, it looks like, you know, things kind of went slowly for Goodson last year. I think he played 13 defensive snaps. He never really had much of a role there. Uh, but it looks like that year, you know, that redshirt year, if you want to call it, of course, he was on special teams a lot, has done him well. 
It has. I mean, he looks, looks like a different player than he was in the past. And he gives them an, an extra dynamic. And, Dan, they're, they're going to rely on this defense. We know that. And we talked about how good they could be. Is there any fear that they're asking too much, that, like James was saying a few minutes ago, asking too much of them, that if they're not a top-five defense, the Giants can't be what they want to be? Do you think they feel the pressure, or do you think they're just going to go play their game? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to play the game because, I mean, they were in this position all last year, so there won't be anything new. I think the if you want to talk about a fear, it would be an injury. Um, they're as good as their top 11 or 12 guys are. Um, you know, there's not a ton of depth at some key spots. I mean, you look at cornerback or even really safety, linebacker. Uh, actually, I could just go down the line. There's really not a ton of quality depth really at any, any position, maybe outside of the defensive end. Uh, so it's certainly uh, an injury there could be – any spot could be a big blow. But otherwise, if they stay relatively healthy – uh, there's no reason to expect them to be anything uh, less than what they were last year. Again, I think they'll be better. Um, again, it's it's tough, though. It's tough to win games in this league by, you know, three points, two points, four points, like they did all last season. So the, the football gods may even things out a bit. I think the offense needs to, you know, carry their way a little more. You can't just rely on this defense to, to bail you out week in and week out. Um, but I do think that this defense is capable. Again, they proved it last year. Um, and, and so far, so good as far as what they've looked like in this preseason. No no real signs that guys got fat and happy off of last year. I mean, when you see Olivier Vernon chasing the tight end 30 yards downfield, knocking the pass away, I mean, that's in a preseason game. That was one of the more incredible athletic plays that uh, sort of almost got overlooked. I just think it was people probably couldn't even comprehend that that was a defensive end running with, uh, you know, Njoku, who's a uh, very fast tight end. So. Uh, just a lot of good signs on the defense. It's it's really it, it's just seems like it's the exact same team as last year where we're gonna be questioning the offense week in and week out and knowing that the defense is gonna be there uh, every game. It is. That's what the Giants became known for last year. It took them to the playoffs. James, before uh, we move on from the game, that we have to talk about the backup quarterback situation. You, I think you wrote the other day that we got the full Geno Smith experience on Monday night against the Browns. Give me your thoughts right now on the Giants' backup quarterback battle and, and where it is. I can't take credit for that. That was Dan, I believe. Oh, was it? Uh, well, you know what? It was I, a great I, line. <laughs> Whoever it was, you, it, it was because th- that's Geno Smith. Yeah, I heartily agree with Dan. Look, I think Geno has been what he was with the Jets. He has some moments where he really impresses you. He makes some great throws. And then he throws an interception or he calls a timeout that infuriates Ben McAdoo. Or he had two botched handoffs in a span of four snaps in practice and has to go run a lap around the field. I think Geno has clearly outplayed Josh Johnson this summer. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's younger. He's got more talent. I get all that. But I think we're kind of seeing this with so much focus on backup quarterbacks all around the NFL with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. It's not all the time that you know a team takes that necessarily goes with the best available backup quarterback to them, like on a talent level. There's, there's other things that factor into it, and I think there's a, there's a strong possibility if Geno and I still think at this point, you know, you, you'd say he's the favorite to get the job, but if he keeps on making these mistakes, I think there's a very real possibility that Ben McAdoo says, "I'd rather have Josh Johnson, who's been in the offense for a year," and he holds on to the ball too long, but at least he holds on to it than Gino and have this big roller coaster ride if he has to play for some reason. And he, you know, you never know when he's going to have to play. You never know when Eli's, Eli's going to go down. And you're going to need a backup quarterback. It's it's amazing this the the conversation that's emerged from this because 
you would think with Eli's career the way it's been, this isn't a big concern. But again, you never know when the Giants are going to need to go to that backup quarterback. All right, guys, let's look forward here. Giants, Jets, the Snoopy Bowl, which is always a an oddly big thing for a day in uh, you know in this area every summer. It's it's a line for each team to look at each other and say, all right, this is where we're at. Third preseason game. The feel will change based on what we have. Dan, we know the Jets are really bad. We know the Giants are projected to be good. What are you looking for besides results on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. It's a rare preseason game that actually has some storylines to it. And, I mean, you got the kind of the former Jets cast-offs, or not necessarily cast-offs, just the former Jets with the Giants. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. Uh, will Sheldon Richardson get his shot to uh, to exact a little revenge on Brandon Marshall? I think that's going to be really interesting. I think I'm the Giants. I might just err on the side of caution. Marshall banged up his shoulder the other night. I might just hold him out. I don't know if it's worth the risk. There might be someone on the Jets who wants to, uh, you know, kind of make a name for himself in that locker room and t- take a cheap shot at Marshall. And if you're the Giants, you certainly can't afford that. So I would, uh, I would strongly consider just holding him out and avoiding that altogether. But if he does play, uh, that's certainly going to be something to watch. If he comes across the middle or whatever it may be, um, he certainly has a few guys, uh, at least with Sheldon, that don't love him over there. Um, the Geno factor, uh, I mean, him going back against his own his old team. Now, it'll be interesting to see because he got so many snaps uh, against the Browns on Monday night. Do they reverse and give Josh Johnson the majority snaps? I don't know. Uh, you know ben Mack doesn't tip his hand on that type of thing. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but you would still think Geno's going to get some playing time. So, uh, you know, him going against his old team, uh, certainly be interesting. And then even Wilkerson uh, and, and Justin Pugh had some trash talk on social media a couple weeks ago. So, uh, like I said, it's rare that a preseason game actually has some <laughs> some good storylines. But I guess that's what happens when you, you share a stadium, you share a market, uh, a little bit more crossover. So uh, just be interesting to see if there's any fireworks for a preseason game, which usually you don't go in expecting. No, you don't, especially since Rex Ryan left. You know, he used to try to pump this thing up a little bit. James, Snoopy Bowl. I know you're a big Snoopy Bowl guy. What are you looking for? Yeah, I just, it feels like it's, I don't know. Like, as I, I, my first year in the beat was 2015, so Rex was gone. And it just felt like all the air had been let out of the Snoopy Bowl. But, uh, no, it kind of feels like we're getting back there. I think, I just want to see the the Giants actually, if they can put something together on offense. I mean, you know, this is not a defensive line that, you know, is, is anything to, and the jets aren't very good, but their, their defensive line is really good. You know, Wilkerson, Sheldon out there, and Leonard Williams, they have a defense that, you know, some young players, they can make plays. I also think, you know, having, you know, the safeties, the jets brought in and Landon Collins out on the field, you know, at the same time, obviously not, going directly up against each other will be something to watch. So, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting Snoopy Bowl, an exciting one. There's a lot of storylines. But for the Giants, I think it's the offense. The offense coming home, uh, the natives are restless. The Giants have to show something on offense or else I think it's going to be like DEFCON 1 going into that final preseason game and then going into week one in Dallas. All right, well, you led me into how I think we should end this week's podcast. Let's let's do a little prediction here. Dan, we'll start with you, Dan, and we'll go to James, then I'll give mine. Monday night, we're going to be at Reds in Carlstadt, 7 p.m. Jonathan Casillas is going to be with us. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We have tickets to give away. We hope all of you come out there and join us, have some food, hang out. Uh, you could hop on with us and talk to us on the breaks, and Casillas is going to be there answering questions. It'll be a really fun time, 7 p.m. Monday, the August 28th at Carlstadt, uh, Reds in Carlstadt. Dan, what is our lead topic on Monday night? Give me a prediction. It could be based on something around the league. It could be based on what you think is going to happen, Giants, Jets. What do you think we're leading with Monday night? 
Oh, that's a good question. Uh, how about the, the offense is still a concern. I don't think they're going to they're gonna snap their fingers and figure it out in a week, and especially against, uh, as James said, for all the Jets' problems, they do have a you know pretty good defense, especially up front, which you know lines up pretty well with the Giants' biggest weakness. So, uh, you know, much like last preseason, where we went into the season uh, pretty underwhelmed by what we had seen from the offense, I think it's gonna be more of the same. Uh, I think probably the the hand wringing will grow a bit. The uh, the chatter about uh, the offensive line will get a little bit louder. Um, so I would not be surprised if that is uh, kind of the big topic coming out of Saturday night. James, what do you think? Monday night we're sitting there at Reds and Karlstadt, 7 p.m. A live podcast. How are we starting this thing? I don't know. Maybe we'll ask John if he, if the, if the defense could just hold teams to nine points a game. You know, maybe that that could work. I, I agree with Dan. I, I think. I think the offense I would not rule out seeing a little bit of progress on Saturday against the Jets, especially since I think their backs are going to be kind of against the wall. But I don't think everything – it's not like they're going to go out there and, you know, see, I guess what Giants fans are looking for, and I think is, you know, just one of those drives where the first-team offense gets down there and they go right down the field and they score a touchdown. I mean, even if they struggle in the next two or three or four drives, I just think if there's one moment in this preseason – where they can just go right down the field and it looks like it's supposed to look, I think people will feel a lot more relaxed. But I'm doubtful that we'll see that on Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same theme as you guys. You guys mentioned how good the Jets' defensive line is, probably the one the few strengths in that team. I could just see full blown panic, even if the uh, even if it's not uh, an awful performance from the whole offense. If that line struggles, that first team line, the first half against the Jets' defensive line. It's going to be some panic among Giants fans on what they're going to do up front. But we'll be there at Reds in Carlstadt, 7 p.m. on Monday, 100th episode of this show. I'm excited to do it. Um, John DeCasillas will be with us. You guys, too. Some tickets to give away. James, enjoy the Snoopy Bowl, and I'll see you Monday night. You got it, Joe. Thank you. I will see you as well Monday night. Dan, have a good week. See you Monday night at Reds. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Joe. Everyone, thank you for listening to episode 99 of Talk is Cheap. We'll see you for the live 100th episode at Reds and Carlstadt, Monday night, August 28th. Uh, And we'll do it. And, of course, we'll have it right here on NJ.com.